Jessie Sibley is uh, a Y1 missionary. She's the wife of a Aaron, who many of us know. Aaron is a warrior and a missionary here in the city of Boston. And uh, both of these young women, they have something to share with us. You remember that about two, three Sundays ago, we spoke about uh, the women's uh, gathering, and uh, they had a, an amazing time meditating on issues of life, uh, such as uh, the, the, the spiritual disciplines and health and nu nutrition, things that are very practical, things that have to do with, you know, just the, the stuff of life. Sometimes we declare, you know, victory and spiritual warfare and all these grand things. We don't think about those quotidian, those daily struggles and those, those challenges that we also need to be very aware of. That's what we really apply this great spiritual truth that we talk about. And they're here to speak to us about a couple of those um, concepts. And I just want to invite them to take over. Amen. Welcome, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. Can okay. you hear me now? Perfect. Uh, good morning. I think a lot of you already know who I am. Uh, if you don't know my name, as Pastor just said, my name is Giovanni, and I lead the Women's Ministry of the English Service. And as he said, back at the beginning of January, our meeting was focused on goals for the new year, so we invited speakers to cover health and fitness, finances, leadership and goals, and spirituality. Uh, unfortunately, two of our speakers could not be with us uh, today, but we have Jessie, who was our health and fitness um, speaker, and she'll be covering that topic for you today as well. I think a lot of us, I think I asked um, when I was making my announcement some weeks back, that all of us set some type of goals, some type of um, resolutions for the new year. So if you did, raise your hand. Those of you who said goals or resolutions or things that you think you want to accomplish in the new year, I think we all have those, uh, particularly in January. Uh, so a few words about Jessie uh, to introduce her to you. Uh, Jessie is an accomplished and gifted singer, and I've had the privilege of hearing her sing. She's amazing. She's not going to sing for us today. She's going to talk about health and wellness. Uh, but in fact, she leads worship at her church, uh, Mount uh, Hope Christian Church. She is the wife of Aaron and mom to three very active little boys. Uh, since 2002, she has been involved in several uh, facets of ministry in her role as a YWAM missionary. She has been a worship leader, a mentor, a program director, a fitness instructor, and as a teacher. Her passion is to see people encounter Jesus and to live their fullest God-given potential, living missional and whole lives. And you're going to get to hear, uh, hear her speak um, on that. So please give a warm CLJ welcome to Jesse right now. Yes, you can clap. You can clap. Thank you. Wow. Good morning. How's everyone doing out there? All right. Great to see you all this morning. Um, as she said, my name's Jessie Sipley, and I'm married to Aaron, and we've got three boys, three, five, and seven. So I'm talking about health and fitness, but most of, most of my fitness is chasing them around and keeping them alive, as you can imagine. So it's such a privilege to be here with you this morning. Um, my topic is on strong, healthy whole. Do we have that um, presentation? I think they're going to get it up there for us. Uh, there it is. Got some slides for us. Did anybody make any resolutions at the beginning of this year about getting healthy? Anybody in here? That's always like a big one, right? I want to lose 10 pounds, or I want to get off my medication, or I want to run a marathon, or I want to do all the things, right? Um, so I think many of us can relate to that. 
And um, my husband and I, our role at Youth with a Mission has changed in this past year. Um, we started a discipleship training school with a focus on fitness, and it's called movement. And so we had about 10 students that came to us in September, and my husband is also a CrossFit instructor, um, coach. And so we incorporated health and fitness into the discipleship process. It was kind of like a, let's try and see how this goes. <laughs> We'd never done it before. We had never seen it done before. But both of us know that God cares about our temples. Amen? Amen. Does the Holy Spirit reside in us? Amen. Bible says we are his temples. He cares about that. So when we talk about um, discipleship and spiritual development and being what God has called us to be. It has to include our physical bodies. And I loved Pastor Miranda even brought so many of those elements into the service already this morning. When we were singing at the beginning, he talked about how when you speak out words, it actually forms chemical reactions in our brains. And so does movement. So does moving our bodies. That's why the Bible says to dance before the Lord. The Bible says to kneel. The Bible says to raise your hands. It's all throughout the Bible different ways that we can express. So God knows the importance of moving our bodies in order to connect our hearts to him. Are you with me? Amen. All right. So we started this school, and we began to see some of our most impacting times with our students was in the gym. One of the girls was having such a hard time. She was very close to a place of prostitution before she came to us. And she had given up her body in ways that exploited who she was, in ways that devalued who she was. And I, she was dealing with some things that she was having to let go to the Lord. And I encouraged her. I said, this morning, while we're in the gym, it's an opportunity for you to worship God with your body in a holy and pure way. And she was very into fitness. It was always about vanity for her. It was never about honoring God or never in that kind of thing. So that's, that morning we sat in the locker room and we cried and we prayed. And I said, all right, girl, are you ready to go move your body for breakthrough? Are you ready to go honor God with every part of you and in an honorable way offer your body to the Lord? You've offered your body in other ways that have made you broken, but now you get to offer your body in a way that's going to bring you wholeness. And she wiped the tears off her face, wiped the sweat off her brow, and she went out there, and she did a workout like I have never seen anybody do a workout. She was so intense, and tears streaming down her face the whole time. And at the end of the time, there was just a breakthrough that happened in her heart. There was that body, mind, heart connection. We're whole people. And in the church, many times we focus on the heart because that's important. Our heart and our spiritual connection with the Lord is important. But we cannot neglect our bodies. So a little bit about my story. You can go to the next slide. Um, about 12 years ago, I was diagnosed with a, a hormone problem. I won't go into all the details of that. But I realized the doctor told me I would never be able to have kids and um, it was because of my weight, and he said, I'm going to put you on all this medication, and this will make you better, but if you would exercise and, and eat healthy, you probably would get better, and so I thought, well, why would I go on all this medication that's going to cause this long list of side effects, right? You know those commercials. Take this medication, but da-da-da-da-da, you might die, you know, <laughs> so encouraging. <laughs> Thank you. Um, 
I decided, you know, I'm going to try this. So I researched as much as I could. I found out what could I do that would be healthy? How can I move my body? How, what can I do? I had grown up in a wonderful family, a little bit of brokenness in our family, and, but never really went outside. We stayed inside a lot, and we ate um, like prepackaged food a lot, pizza rolls, you know. My mom wasn't a great cook, bless her soul. So we had fish sticks and mac and cheese, good old American. <laughs> American 101 dinner. There it was. Um, so I didn't really know how to fuel my body. So I had to learn. I had to teach myself and began to do research. And I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, what do you want from me in this area? of my? Do you care about this area of my life? And honestly, it was been, had been a struggle for most of my life. If any of you have struggled with your health or with your weight or the way that you feel, it is so much connected in our minds and our hearts. It's not just about our bodies. It's our whole self issue. And so I asked the Lord, I said, God, what do you want to say to me? And very clearly, I heard the Lord say to me, Jesse, you have learned to love me with your heart. You have learned to love me with your mind, but you have not learned to love me with your strength. Oh, you're right. <laughs> I hadn't learned to love him with my strength, with my body, with how I was fueling myself, with how I was stewarding what he gave me. It was a huge challenge. So in many ways, I know that God healed me, but I know it was through his power. I know many people prayed for me. Many people were, I had random people come up to me and speak life to me and all of these things, but I know part of my healing was in the wisdom that God gave me of actually how to take care of this vessel that he gave me. And so as you, uh, you know, I have three kids <laughs> and my husband and I got married and the doctor said, don't worry about it, you can't have kids. And four months later, <laughs> there he was, praise the Lord. So God was so good. But you can go to the next slide. So much sickness and so much hurt in this world is, can be cured and can be healed. If you need healing, you come up to the altar, you have people pray for you, but you actually have the tools to be made well from the wisdom that God has given us and from the world that he's created us to live in. So much sickness. The founder of CrossFit, his name is Greg Glasman, and this is a quote from him. He says, chronic disease, including obesity, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, stroke, and cancer, account for 70% of deaths in the United States. 70%. That's a lot. And all of which can be significantly helped and possibly even cured through nutrition and exercise. So, so many of us are saying, God, please heal me. God, please touch me. But you're still feeding yourself junk that your body was never meant to eat, and you never move. And so God can heal you, but you, you need to do your work. Just as our brother said this morning, you've got to put your shoulder to the plow and do the work that God's put in front of you to do, to fuel your body the way that God has intended us to, to eat, to move the way he has intended us to move. You know, exercise in foreign cultures, like do you ever like walk past a gym and you see people like doing their thing in there? And I just think it's kind of weird. I'm a fitness instructor, but, and I, but I look from like an outsider's perspective and think, it's so weird. All those people on those machines just like moving. Isn't it kind of strange? But like in old cultures or sometimes in third world cultures, they don't need gyms. 
they didn't need gyms in the days of Jesus because your whole life was moving. You were walking from village to village. You were scrubbing your clothes. You were walking from here to get food. You had to really work to get your food. You couldn't just walk, drive your car to the store, get out, walk 10 feet. Or nowadays, we don't even have to leave our houses. All we got to do is grab these and click Instacart, which... I praise God for Instacart some days with my kids. It's hard to get three kids through the grocery store. But I'm saying we don't live that kind of life anymore. We live a very sedentary life as Americans. So we have to move. In this country, there's not much opportunity. In the city, there's a lot of walking and transporting that happens. But even still, moving our bodies and fueling them well is what's going to bring wellness to us. Go ahead to the next slide. So, yeah. I already said that. Go next one. All right, so we're going to do a little clarity check. Um, So the the other thing is that many of us are living in bondage to food. Food is a very central part of many cultures, right? It's like a love language for some people. When I go to my when I would go to my grandma's house, she would say, "Eat, eat. Are you hungry? Eat, eat." She'd here's the fridge. She would give me the the she'd give me the rundown of everything in the refrigerator. You must eat more. Have more. We were in India this past summer, and they just kept feeding us over and over and over again. I think I gained 10 pounds in 10 days while we were in India because the love language is hospitality and food. But many of us live in bondage to that, truth be told. Sugar actually has a stronger addictive chemical reaction than cocaine. And so many of, and sugar is literally in everything that you eat. It's not just in candy. It's not just in chocolate, but it's in your bread. It's in the pastas. It's in the the simple carbs, the prepackaged foods, the chips, all the things that are easy to grab and easy to eat and fast and quick and convenient, all of those things. But what it does is it makes us addicted and we live in bondage. And I think I've had that realization over the last few years that there was a bondage in my life that I would look at a drug addict and say, oh, well, you know, they're, they're addicted. And the Lord said, would you look at yourself? Can you stop yourself from going to get the ice cream at night? <laughs> Why don't you ask me if you should have that? Why don't you ask me what I think about what you should put in your body, how you should fuel yourself? And I had to realize for me it really was an addiction. And it really was something that I was living in bondage to. And God wants us to be free. Amen? He's given us his spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen. And that includes every area of our life. I think many of us segment this area and say, God doesn't care about that. He cares about it because he made us. He talks about it in scripture. And um, it says, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do everything, I will not become a slave to anything. The word talks about, it says, everything is permissible, another translation says, but not everything is beneficial. And then it says, I will not be mastered by anything. Are you being mastered by food, by addiction to certain areas in your life that maybe it's Christian, it's Christian, it's okay. We don't really address gluttony too much, do we? But it's, a li- it's listed in the Bible. It's a sin. God doesn't want us to live that way. He wants us to be satisfied in him. In Psalm, it says, praise the Lord. Psalm 103, verse 5, who satisfies your desires with good things. 
He satisfies our desires with good things, with life-giving things. And he cares about food. In Psalm 63, it says, you satisfy me more. This is a prayer that David was praying. He says, you satisfy, satisfy me more than the richest feast. God understands. He understands that it's satisfying. That He made food for us to enjoy. He made it to satisfy us. But he should be ultimately the one that satisfies us first. Amen. 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 Our satisfaction must come from him first. And do you know, even with movement, moving our bodies or exercise, I like the word movement instead of exercise because exercise is like, many of us just think like, oh, I don't want to go to a gym. But movement is like, you go out for a walk, turn on a worship song and dance around your living room, <laughs> do all the things that are fun. Can you go back to that other slide for just a minute? I'm going to um, go through this clarity check with us real quick. So if failure wasn't an option... Right now, you could just, I handed you that easy button, and you could click that easy button. What would be your goal for your health? All of us have one, I'm sure. Maybe it would be a certain number on the scale, or maybe it would be a number in your pants, or maybe it would be a physical goal. That I'd like to be able to walk up the steps without being winded. I'd like to be able to run a race. I'd like to be able to play with my grandkids on the floor and not have my back hurt. I'd like to be able to... You fill in the blank. Everyone got something in their mind? Give me a little nod. You've got a goal? You've got something you can see? All right, go on to the next one. What excites you about that goal? Let's just think about this for a minute. What are the things that you could do then that you're not able to do now? Once you reach that goal, if you got to that certain size or you were able to do wherever you were at that point, that goal that you have in mind, what excites you about that? What are some of the things you could do I've got a goal in my mind for this year of where I want to be, and it excites me. I, my three boys and my husband love to go hiking. <laughs> I, I grew up inside, remember? <laughs> I don't love hiking. But I go because they love it. And they say, come on, Mama, jump on these rocks. And they're jumping from rock to rock and hanging from trees. And I just, like, watch them and think, I could, I could do that. <laughs> Why couldn't I do that? So I, like, try and, like, do what they're doing. But I realize that... If I got to where my, what my goal was, I'm still a work in progress too, still figuring this out too. I would be able to do some of those things and not like, okay, I'm ready to go home now. <laughs> At the end of that, it keeps us young. It keeps us full of energy. There's things that God has in store for you. God has a plan for your life and you need to live a long time to be able to fulfill it. If he's calling you to reach certain people, he's calling you to go to a nation, he's calling you, you've got to be You've got to be physically able to do it. You've got to be physically able to fulfill the call of God on your life. He has not called you to sit in one place for the rest of your life. He has called you to get up and move. And we are called to steward ourselves well. He's looking for us to steward what he's given to us. Just as we talk about stewarding your finances, or we would talk about being good um, managers of our time, in the same way, we've got to honor these vessels that God's given us. He has given us tools. He has given us resources. He has given us everything we need to be able to take care of ourselves and be well. We just have to do it. That's the hard part. <laughs> That's the real hard part. You can go on to the next slide. Think about how you're going to feel. How would you feel if you reach that goal? How will it impact how you show up? For me, it impacts how I show up at my job, at YWAM. 
I'm also a teacher at my son's Christian school. I'm also a mom. I, I wear a lot of hats these days, and I need to be able to show up. People are counting on me to be able to show up and be there. This past fall, I had some injuries, and I wasn't able to be there with our team at the gym every day. And I thought, oh, man, if I, could, if I just would have taken a little better care of myself, I had been able to show up. I don't want to miss anything that God has for me because I wasn't a good steward. And this fall, I, I really realized that, and that fire is in my bones now. I've got to be able to show up. God's got a lot in store for you, and you've got to show up. So I'm going to skip ahead. You can skip ahead. Um, go ahead, skip ahead. Thank you. You're doing a great job back there. All right, there it is. God has a plans for you and needs you to steward your body well in order to get there. So... Is anything what I'm saying ringing true to anybody this morning? Totally. You guys with me? Yeah. Is anybody recognizing you need some freedom in this area? Yes. Anybody need some freedom? Amen. So we did this with the ladies at the women's meeting. Any ladies here? Where are my ladies at? All right. I'm going to need your help, girls. I'm going to need your help. They know it's coming. <laughs> so freedom comes when we put our... Put ourself to the plow and get moving. Get moving for breakthrough. This morning, you had to walk to the front, right? Brother said, come to the front. The power of the Lord is here. Get up and move out of your seat. When our brothers came up to offer their lives and surrender to Jesus, they got up and they moved. So this morning, we're going to ask God for breakthrough in this area because I don't want any of us to leave here in bondage this morning. God desires breakthrough in your life, that you would not be living addicted, that you would not be living in bondage. He desires freedom for you, and it is so accessible, so accessible. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me. Anybody nervous? Don't be nervous. And we're going to move a little bit. So I told you I am a group fitness instructor, and we move. So if you've got some physical thing where you can't do this, it's fine. Just Wave your hands in the air like you don't care, okay? So, um, and I have seen, I've seen some of you guys move. I saw you moving during worship, so I know I'm not going to be the only one, and I got my ladies out there, but we're going to practice moving, and we're going to practice moving as worship, okay? You saw the people this morning raising their hands. You saw people getting on their knees. You saw people jumping around, moving around, so we're going to do that. We're going to get our heart rate moving, get that blood pumping. You know what happens when you do that? The endorphins in your brain start being released. Those feel-good chemicals that God gave us start moving. So those feel-good chemicals are being released and are coming out, and your heart is being connected with the Lord, and it's just incredible, joyful experience that we're going to believe God for breakthrough this morning. Are you with me? All right. If you got that song... You can go ahead and hit that song for us. All right. Guys, ready? Let's just move it out. March it out for me. Give yourself some space for your neighbor if you want to spread out into the aisles. God, we honor you with our bodies this morning. Both hands. Here we go. Hands to the sky because I feel so alive and I want to bring you. Keep those feet moving. see your best moves. Just move around. Give your neighbor a high five. Say freedom is here. Woo! We worship you this morning, God. All right, here we go. Ready? 
let's stretch it out. I've never felt so good. Your joy it feels so good, doesn't it? It's running right through my veins. And in your love, I found all that I needed. All right, we're going to do some squats, like you're going to sit back down. Ready? Down and up. Down and up. Breaking a sweat up here. <laughs> here we go. No matter what comes, we will worship you because you are worthy, God. Throw our hands up. Let's get ready. Bust out those moves. Maybe there's some salsa out there. Let's see it. Anyway, you want to move, just move. March it out. Throw our hands to the sky. Let's worship him. All right. You can bring the music down. Give yourselves a hand this morning. Give your neighbor a high five. It is good. Anyone's heart bumping a little bit? My husband always tells my sons after he takes them running, he says, your heart is saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's what your heart's telling you right now. And those endorphins moving in your brain, it brings joy. It brings freedom. It brings us into alignment. It helps our minds understand the truths of who God is when our brains are working the way they're supposed to. It's all connected. Thank you for participating with me. You guys are awesome. God bless you. Thank you so much, Jesse. That was amazing. Yeah, when we did it at the women's, we did the full video and we all needed a drink of water afterwards. <laughs> Still a little winded. Um, Anyway, thank you so much, Jessie. She's amazing and inspiring. And if any of you have questions, I know she put her information up on the screen. But if you have information, questions or want to use her services as a coach, uh, please, please feel free to connect with her um, after the service. I spoke uh, last month about um, spiritual disciplines. So I was in charge of talking about fasting, reading the Bible, and praying to our women. And that is what I had originally planned to talk about to you today. Um, but as I began to study and to pray about what I should say to you, the one topic that the Holy Spirit just kept impressing uh, upon me was reading the Bible. And I kept getting just like all this stuff from the Lord about reading the Bible. And I thought, well, you know, I want to talk about fasting. I want to talk about praying. But none of, I wasn't getting anything, anything for that. So the Holy Spirit wants to speak to his church today, to CLJ today, about reading the Bible. Is that okay with you? Is that okay, Pastor, that I switch, the, switch things up a little bit? So reading the Bible. We know that it's something we should be doing as Christians, and we should be doing it on a daily basis like eating, drinking, breathing, exercising, as Jesse talked about, or moving, 
um, as she said. But the fact is that we don't. We don't spend a healthy amount of time in Scripture. And why is that? So I want to share with you a couple of excuses or reasons that people give as to why they're not reading the Bible. What do you guys think is the big one? Time. Time, right? We're all so busy, right? Busyness now has become kind of a status symbol. Our lives are so busy, we're so important, we don't have time. I mean, you'd think we were all running multinational corporations, right? <laughs> or, or maybe that we were serving as first responders in catastrophes, like every day. But I want to challenge that. I want to challenge that notion of time. In fact, I'm here to challenge that. Are we really all that busy? When we look at how we spend our time over the course of the day, how much of that time are we frittering away on useless and mindless activities? Either surfing the web, watching cat videos or memes. Anybody guilty of that? Netflix, binging, television, social media. Hours we could spend on these things. How we spend our time indicates what we value and also what we don't. If you were to do an exercise and add up all of the hours that you spend on some of the activities that, are, that I already mentioned, and the hours that you spend in scripture, and compare the two, what would you find? What would you see? How wide of a disparity would there be? Again, how you spend your time indicates what you value. Do we value spiritual growth and development? Do we value spending time with God? Do we value hearing God's voice through his word? These are questions we have to ask ourselves. The other excuse or reason that people give is that the Bible is too boring. How, how many of you have heard that? There are a lot of people who say that. And I vehemently disagree with that statement. The Bible is not boring. To me, the Bible is filled with adventurers like Abraham and Joshua. It features explorers, again, like Abraham, giant slayers, David, kings, Saul, David, heroes, Moses, Joshua, philosophers, Solomon, supernaturally strong men like Superman, Samson. There are evil temptresses, right? Delilah, Jezebel, conniving Machiavellian men like Haman. There are murderers like Salome and Herod. There are visionaries, all of the prophets. It makes for some pretty exciting reading. So I don't know what those people are talking about. It's also a book about ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Epic stories like Joseph's and Ruth's. People overcoming great odds who thrived and were used by God for his purposes. Would you call your own life or boring or your own destiny boring? The majority of the people we see in the Bible were people that allowed God to use them for his purposes. So when we read the Bible, we enter into that space that God created for us and tells him we are ready to be used by him for his glory and his purposes in our life. We begin to know what his good, pleasing, and perfect will is for us. 
we begin to know his heart and mind. We learn what we have to do to walk in his ways. Our life may have been boring before we met God, but it will never be boring if you walk with God. The Bible isn't boring. I mean, picture it. There's action, there's drama, there's romance, there's intrigue, there are plot twists and unexpected events. There's love poetry and laments. It is life that is represented in these books in which we are supposed to see God at work first and then ourselves. In the Bible, we see the whole gamut of human emotion. In Deuteronomy 6.9, God himself tells us exactly how we are to treat his word. Marlena, if you could display the verses. So Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 to 9. So I want to read this, and I'm going to ask you to do something that we generally here at CLJ don't do, which is to stand for God's word while I read it. So if you could please stand while I read. Thank you so much. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Thank you. You may be seated. That here O that we hear at the beginning of verse 4 says that you need to listen carefully. That you need to remember this. That what's coming next is very important. The Lord our God, it says, the Lord is one. So Moses was speaking to the Israelite generation that grew up in the desert for 40 years and they were about to enter the promised land. A land that was filled with tribes and with ethnic groups that had many gods who worshipped many different gods. But he's saying, remember our God, the Lord, is one. Amen. It's the first thing that he tells them. And then he goes on to say, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That God that is just one, you are to love him with your whole being, which we just heard from Jesse. Every part of you engaged in loving that God that is one. So I ask you, how many other things have taken the place in your heart that belongs to God? What are you spending your energies on? To which other small gods have you given your heart and your mind over to? Your career, money, fame, self-aggrandizement, another person even? What has replaced God in your life? Verse 6 tells us, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. So if you replace the, wor the word commandment with the word Bible, it would say, the Bible that I give you today is to be on your hearts. Or the word of God that I give you today is to be on your hearts. 
impress them on your children. So the word of God is for us, but it's also for the next generation, for our descendants. My hope is that my children, my grandchildren, my grandchildren's children, and so on, will love the Lord and will follow in his footsteps. That's my prayer. We know that salvation is individual. But when you plant the word of God on your children, that word will take root and flourish. It may not be in your lifetime, or it may not be when we want it to happen, but it will flourish. It will take root. We have God's promise. So if you're praying for your children, if you're praying for a spouse, if you're praying for a wife, if you're praying for a family member, never doubt that whatever word you give to them or say to them, don't doubt that it will take root. In Ecclesiastes, we have a promise from God. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. And in Isaiah 55, 11, he said, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, empty, but it shall accomplish that for which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Verse 7 continues, Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. This is God's word. When you lie down and when you get up. So the word is not just for us. It's not just for our children. But our home is one of the places where the word of God should be. Not limited by maybe a religious space, right? Here at church or church gatherings is when we encounter the word. The word is supposed to be in our home. And when you walk along the road, indicates that the word of God, we are to take it into the public sphere, our neighborhoods, our jobs, people we encounter, our schools. It is for us to take to others. The verse then, the verses move from private sphere to public sphere, like I said home, then road, and then it comes back to the individual. When you lie down and when you get up, what that says to me is that the word of God should bookend our day. When you rise up in the morning, the word of God. When you go to sleep at night, the word of God. First thing and last thing in our day. When we live with the word of God as bookends to our day, not only are we prepared for what may come, but we are likely to do, to say, and to act in a way that pleases the Lord. Verse 8 says, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Why hands? Your hands are the part of the body that you see the most during the day. So our hands should be reminders of the word of God. And then to bind them on our foreheads symbolically means that we take it into our minds. But it's on our foreheads so that when others speak to us, it is what they see as well. They are seeing the word of God and are being reminded about the word of God. 
If we live according to the word, then our life will reflect God. But brothers and sisters, our life won't reflect God's word if we don't know God's word. Lastly, Deuteronomy 6.9 says, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Again, symbolically, it's placed on our door frame so that we and others who enter our home are reminded of the principles that we live by, symbolically. The gates are our city gates, but our city doesn't live by God's word. So we have to be the ones to take it to the city. The word of God should suffuse us, penetrate us, be intrinsically a part of us, in our very marrow, bones, being, as individuals, but also our private spheres, our home. And we should take it into the public sphere in which we move. And we should be sharing it with our children and with others. But what's the reality in many churches? We come to church on Sunday, and we think that seeing the word of God projected on a screen is sufficient. So is it sufficient to eat once a week? Do we eat once a week? Who eats once a week? If a person eats once a week, what happens? First sign, of course, is that they start to lose weight. Then over time, if you continue to just eat once a week, right, your organs are going to be impacted. You'll lose your hair. You're going to look sallow and pallid. A whole host of adverse results from eating once a week. Imagine. No one does that. Eventually, and more than likely, that person would die. Many of us are what I call spiritual anorexics. We are feeding once a week on Sunday when we come to church. This is a person with spiritual anorexia. Once a week is enough here at church. But because we're feeding only once a week, there are spiritual consequences to our decision. We're not strong. So the enemy doesn't have to do a lot of work to make us lose our faith. You don't know the word, so you can correct false theology or false ideas that come at you. In contrast, if you know the word, you can correct false teachings, and they won't corrupt you. We're all familiar with how Christ himself used the word of God as weapons against Satan's manipulation during the temptation in the desert. And over and over again in the Gospels, we hear Jesus using scripture against the Pharisees and to do ministry. The word of God is power. Amen. As spiritual anorexics, this is our spiritual condition on the inside when we don't read the word of God, when we don't know the word of God. It's dry bones, my friends. Some of us might not have gotten to this point, but we are on life support or organ failure, or we've started to lose weight along some spectrum. Don't let it get to this place. And it says that the word of God is the only thing 
that can bring us back to life, that will give us life. I'm going to prove it to you. Yeah? All right. I'm going to prove it to you. In Ezekiel 37, 3 to 6, God has a conversation with the prophet. And God asks him, son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel replies, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then God instructs Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones and say to them, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. We come to life through the word and we can be fully alive only when we know the word of God. When we know the word of God, we can acknowledge and recognize who God is. Why is that so important? It's important because the word speaks to us. It not only reveals God, but it is that two-edged sword that reveals our spiritual condition. And it shows us what's really inside. Some of us don't read it because we are afraid of what the word is going to show us. That it will convict us of our wrongdoing. And we're too happy doing whatever we want, saying what we want, and behaving however we want. It's important because when we know God, we operate at a different level, my friends. We have supernatural peace and trust. And no matter what's going on in our lives, we know that God can do exceedingly more than our current situation. It's important because as soldiers, and we have been talking about that, the spiritual battles that we face in this world, as soldiers and warriors, this is our instruction manual. This is our field guide. This is our playbook against the enemy. Everything we need to know to live, to love, and to fight is in here. There is no substitute. There is no substitute, my friends. There are no cliff notes. There are no crib sheets that you can use instead of this book. What are some practical things that we can do to spend time in the Bible? Schedule it. Schedule it. Schedule it. Put it on your agenda, your phone. If you need to put it on your refrigerator, whatever you have to do, set an alarm on your phone. Get into it. Meditate on it. Spend time in it. One of the great things about technology is that we have Bible apps can download a digital version onto your phone and carry it with you everywhere. You can read it on the bus on the way to work or have it read to you if you commute in your car. There's really no excuse not to have our Bible with us. And lastly, you can join a small group at your church. 
Small groups are a great way to learn because you're among your brothers and sisters. You can ask questions, wrestle with passages that seem difficult. And the added benefit is that you get to spend time with others. There's always food in a small group. So if nothing else, go for the food. Um, in fact, you'll be hearing more about small groups uh, here at CLJ over the next month or so. And I hope that every single person who doesn't belong to a small group will make the time to join one. How many of you will join a small group if you're not already in one? I don't see any hands. I want to close with, with this today. And um, I want all of us to make a pledge. You can stay right where you are if you want to, or you can come to the altar, whatever feels more comfortable for you. But it is a pledge to commit to the word of God on a daily basis. It is a pledge to journey into who God really is. So if you could please stand, raise your hands with me. We're going to all say this pledge. This pledge isn't just for you. It's also for me. It's for all of us. We need to commit to knowing this word. So I want you to repeat after me. Lord, I commit that this, from this point forward, I'm going to devote time to your word on a daily basis. Lord, help me to arrange my time and prioritize time spent alone with you to hear what you want to say to me. Forgive me for the times I've prioritized other things above you. Give me the capacity to love and to develop a taste for your word. I want to carry your word wherever I go and to live out your purpose in my life through it. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. And you all have been wonderful. Thank you so much. God bless you.